0: Welcome back to Thimbleberry U. I am John Jagge, joined as always by Amy Wallace from Thimbleberry Financial. Happy holidays, Amy. Good to be with you. Jag, happy holidays. It's great to talk to you. Yeah. So with the holiday season upon us, the end of the year is near. And one of the financial topics that always comes up at the end of the year is year-end capital gains. It's a little complicated, but I know like you always do, you'll break it down for us. Where do we start on capital gains?
1: Yes. Well, really, this is more capital gains distribution. Capital gains distributions are announced by mutual fund companies and index funds in December of each year. And this year with the bear market that we've experienced, I think a lot of investors may not be prepared for what that means. Basically, there's trading that happens inside a fund. Mm -hmm. If that trading is at a gain for the year, those gains are passed forward to investors And the investors are responsible for paying the taxes on those distributions. And the thing is, the investors may not have actually ever realized any of that money.
0: That's a scary thing to think that there could be money earned by these funds, but because they're so deeply involved, it's it's hard to see them from where you sit. So let's back up a second. What are the differences between mutual funds and index funds?
1: That's a great question. Let me just explain a fund in general. Okay. Um, And I'm going to explain it with something that I think everybody is familiar with, and that's a fruit salad. Okay. Okay.
0: By the way, this time of year, I'm glad you said fruit salad and not fruit cake.
1: (laughs) Yes, we'll go with fruit salad here. We all know that there's many different varieties of apples, oranges, grapefruits, and berries. Mm -hmm. When you think about a fund that is invested, think about the various fruits and their varieties like stocks. Okay, so you could have Jonah Gold apples and Granny Smith apples, and you can have uh, regular red grapefruit and mandarin oranges, right? Yeah. Those are all kind of like stocks. A money manager gets to pick from all of this fruit, and what they end up choosing is what makes up the fruit salad or the holdings inside the fund. Basically, you've got a fruit salad of stocks inside of an index fund or a mutual fund. Okay, But what happens is a mutual fund focuses generally on one sector or a group of sectors of the market. What I mean by that is they might focus on large cap growth. Been really popular the last couple of years and did well. Um, It might be that they focus completely on small cap, meaning the smallest companies. OK, that's how a regular mutual fund is going to invest. Now, that's different than an index fund. An index fund follows the market. So we could say, hey, the market is made up of two Granny Smith apples, one Jonah gold apple, one mandarin orange, uh, no grapefruit, and it's got some raspberries and blueberries. in it. All right. An index fund is going to try to match the recipe of the market, the sector of the market that they're trying to match. So, in this case, if that's our market, the index fund is going to try to be made up of two Granny Smith apples, one Jonah Gold apple, one Mandarin orange, no grapefruit, and some raspberries and blueberries.
0: Got it. Okay. Specific, but that now makes sense. Okay.
1: Okay. They're following the recipe. I like it. Of that part of the market. All right. Whereas the mutual fund is picking its own section of the market. Uh, It's outlined. So, you know, as an investor, like this is generally where it's going to focus. And then they get to make up their own fruit salad for that area. The index fund being, you know, it's got the same recipe generally as the market. It's just trying to make what the market has. So an index fund is really just trying to stay consistent with the market. Mm -hmm. It's seeking market average returns. Whereas the mutual fund, especially when we're talking about an active manager, is actually trying to outperform that section of the market. So they're trying to take their their fruit salad and actually have it be better than the average fruit salad.
0: Okay, got it. That that makes a lot of sense the way you explained it. Okay. Okay, so now we've kind of explained the difference between an index fund and a mutual fund. What are capital gains and losses? Let's define that for our listeners.
1: Let's just pretend, Jag, you bought a car for $50,000. Mm-hmm. dollars And you sell it six months later for $40,000. Okay. You're out $10,000. For that six months. That's a loss. Okay. You bought it at one price. You sold it for less. You have a loss. Mm-hmm. And again, it's the opposite scenario. So let's say you bought a car for $50,000 two years ago. But today, given what cars are doing, you can sell it for $55,000. Okay. That's a gain of $5,000. Okay. I'm with you. So yeah. you sold it for more than you bought it for. Mm-hmm. So when we think about capital gains and losses, the capital's really applying to investments. So I use the card just to demonstrate gains and losses when you sell. So within an investment, or if you have a personal investment and you sell it at a gain or a loss, it's the same. It's just applied to investment. Now we have to also look at if you have held that investment for under a year or over a year. Okay. Okay. Okay, If it's under a year, it's a short-term capital gain or loss. And if you've held it Mm -hmm. for over a year, it's a long-term capital gain or loss. That's important because short-term capital gains are taxed as ordinary income, the same as your paychecks. Okay. But a long-term capital gain is not taxed in the same way. It's actually taxed at a preferential tax rate, um, which I'm just generally going to say is 15%. It can be higher or lower based on your overall income. Sure. In the example I just gave with the car, you're making the choice, Jag, about if you buy or sell the car, or if we equate it to the investment, the investment. Okay. That is true that your choice to sell an investment that's not inside of a retirement account. So this is brokerage account taxable money will generate that gain or loss. But there's one other way that you as an investor are also taxed mm-hmm. with these kinds of funds. That is the trading that happens inside of the fund in the making and changing of the fruit salad (laughs) that you as the investor do not have any control over. Okay. The money managers are making decisions about trading inside that fund. And based on their choices, your price and the market, the value of what you're holding goes up and down. Mm Mm-hmm. So that trading is generating gains and losses, both in terms of short term and long term and are passed back to the investors. So that's really the secret piece of what's happening that's invisible to investors that gets announced in December.
0: My key takeaway so far, Amy, is if there are capital gains in these investments that I, as an investor who holds a mutual fund, really have no control over, I'm could still be on the hook for those capital gains once they get announced in December. Do I have that right?
1: You do have that right. So and it's not just if there's gains there. It's a little more complicated. And I don't know if our listeners want me to give the details. But basically, those long term gains and losses are netted out, meaning if there's long term gains and long term losses, the long term losses are subtracted from the long term gains. Okay, so hopefully we've got a positive gain number in that long-term category. Then the same thing's done on the short-term side, and then the short-term and long-term are put together to get a net number. Okay. Okay, and so it's that figure that is the total amount that is then passed forward pro rata. So if you own 15% of the shares of the fund that's out there, you're going to be responsible for 15% of those gains. Okay,
0: All right. So why is this an issue now? And can you give us an example of how this is going to impact investors and our listeners?
1: Yeah, it's really because of the downturn that we've experienced this year, the bear market. In an up market, people might pay this. They might incur some of these gains, but they may not think a lot about it. And some of the reason for that is their funds are up across the board. So, oh, hey, I have $2,000 or $5,000 that came in as a gain on this particular uh, fund, okay, cool, they made money. I'm happy with that. But this year the market's down and that impacts us in two ways. One, people are looking at their accounts and looking at the value of these holdings and saying, gosh, they're down. So now that $2,000 or $5,000 or whatever it is, is more surprising because I'm paying for something that has less value. And so those two things don't equate in people's minds if they've thought about it in many cases. But also because that tax bill may actually be bigger this year. And the reason that I say that is in a bear market, investors, many investors often sell because of fear or because maybe they, they need the money for some reason or a combination of the two. That request to sell means that the fund, whether mutual fund or index fund, has to generate cash to give back to you as the investor. The only way they do that is by selling. So in selling, they have generated more capital gains, perhaps more losses, but more than likely, they had a lot of gains already embedded in what they were holding that when redemption requests came in and as the market fell, there's a lot of requests for people to have their money back. Ah. That caused them to sell at a higher rate and perhaps without a strategy for how to sell. And so it means those tax bills being passed forward may be much bigger than what they would have been in an up market.
0: This really, again, speaks to the importance of tax planning and really knowing what you have for assets. And again, to sound like a broken record, forgive me, but every individual situation is different. And it all goes to why you would talk to somebody like Amy and her team at Thimbleberry Financial do you want to give us an example of some numbers before we wrap up here Amy?
1: Yeah, I'd love to. So, I'm going to take this away from investments. I think sometimes it's easier to uh, understand if we remove the investments. I know we can sometimes have mental blocks to that. Sure. But let's think about if you're a business owner mm-hmm. and let's say you have two partners in your business. You're a 50% owner and each of your partners is a 25% owner. Okay. Okay, probably makes sense to you that if the business has $100,000 in profit, that you're going to pay tax on 50,000 of that and each of your other partners is going to pay tax on 25,000 of that.
0: That makes sense, okay, yeah.
1: And if there's no profit for the year, there's not going to be any income tax to pay. Fair enough? Mhm. So now, same example, we've got three owners and you're the 50% owner and two 25% owners. And same scenario, you have profit that you have seen throughout the year of $100,000. Jag, you're going to pay tax on 50000 of that, and your two partners are each going to pay tax on 25000 Right. Okay, so now let me step away from the business owner example. And, Jag, let's say that you have bought into a fund that has three owners. You own 50% of the shares that are outstanding, and each of the other owners owns 25%. Mm-hmm. And... You all sell during the year and um, you talk about it and you realize $100,000. from
0: them. Same $100,000 as the business example. Okay, yep.
1: Yep, same as in the business example. You expect you're going to pay $50,000 and they're each going to pay 25000 mm-hmm. Okay, you're aware of that. You made the decision during the year. But now let's say the money manager, let's say that's me, has been trading in that account. And the fund is down 20% because the market is overall, not because I was terrible at it, (laughs) (laughs) but because of the trading that I did to better position the fund and such, I realized $100,000 of gains inside the fund. Okay. So this is a separate $100,000.
0: Not the $100,000 we sold, the $100,000 gain. Okay.
1: This is just what I was doing during the year.
0: Oh, you're better than you gave yourself credit for. Okay.
1: Okay. And so... I realized $100,000 in gains. Now you're going to, as 50% owner, going to realize 50,000 of that. And each of the other owners are going to realize 25,000 of that. That means you now have $100,000 to pay tax on. And each of the other owners has 50,000.
0: Right, because it's now 200,000 and I own 50%. So that's 100,000. And then they're 25% of that 200,000 is 50,000 each. Okay.
1: Yep. So if the market's up, And the funds up, that's a little easier to swallow. You can understand where that came from. The issue this year is the market's also down. Mm -hmm. So now you're looking at the value of that fund and you're saying it lost 20 percent and I have a hundred thousand dollar tax bill. How is that making sense? Okay, it's a lot harder to digest. And we have a lot of food things going on in this podcast today. Oh, It's the
0: holidays. I mean, that's (laughs) fine. Yeah. If you want to change food into dollars and see how it applies to your real-life fruit salad, you can always contact Amy and her team at Thimbleberry Financial. And how do they best do that, Amy?
1: They can give us a call at 503-610-6510 or reach us online at thimbleberryfinancial.com.
0: All right, thanks, Amy. We'll talk again soon. Thanks. Registered representative, securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisor representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and Thimbleberry Financial are not
1: affiliated.